Listener Production. Not many restaurateurs will tell you that in the past 24 years, they've never once repeated a menu. But Adjoy Joshi, owner of Nilgiri's in Crow's Nest, has done just that. And if that wasn't impressive enough, Nilgiri's menu changes every three months, bringing its locals Indian food with a twist. Adjoy fuses his food with his history and culture and aims to bring his locals more than just a menu. Adjoy, welcome. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to kick you off, and you know, because obviously you're in a. St- you've been. How long have you been at Nagilri's? Twenty four years. Twenty four years. Yes. And is that in one location, or have you moved around? Uh, this is our uh, third, and hopefully the last location. Gee, how yeah. have things changed in that time? India. Well, let's say the perception of Indian food in the community. When we started, the perception of Indian food was, to a large extent, a curry. Okay, and and I say this in all honesty, uh, people thought everything was a curry. So you, you tell them, I make food from Hyderabad. Oh, good curries. You say you make food from Punjab. Oh, fantastic curries. Everything was a curry. So <laughs> then I had to tell them, let's just take a step back and look at the map of India. It's about 1.3 billion people. We don't all eat curries. We, we, are, we, are <laughs> we have our old style of cooking, which is either my mother's, grandmother's, and so on and so forth. So that was the beginning. And then people started traveling to India. Yeah. So that was, that was a big, big change because when India opened up, as a travel center, uh, a lot of Australians were one of the first, and cricket made it very easy. Cricket added to this whole thing, and I must thank cricket for that. Australians were the first to travel. They would come back and tell me, Joy, we went to Hyderabad, and we found this little place near the uh, Jama Masjid, which was selling little beautiful samosas, crisps, never heard of, never seen. Can you do something like that? And that was the beginning because that is what I was looking yeah, for. That must have, I was going to say that must have filled um, a little bit of light in your heart, yeah? Absolutely. And things have changed from there. Then on, it was the onus was on me then to try and take people through my food as a traveler. So I, I became their food ambassador or tour guide to take them from Rajasthan to, to Hyderabad to uh, Mumbai to Chennai to even interiors of Kerala right up to Mangalore. You know, so... It's been a fascinating journey and I love it because I've got about 95% regular clientele who come every three months. Initially, it was a monthly menu. That did not give enough time for people to taste everything. So they'd come and say, oh, I missed this one. Can you please make sure you can extend it for two months? Then we said, all right, let's give them three months. And that's how it all started. I may go back to the region, but I try not to repeat the menu. Yeah, because I mean, I must say, one of the things that I, I was often guilty of as a restaurateur myself, was that you would change probably the best-selling dish on the menu because you were bored of it, but actually your customers would come back in just for that dish. People go, why did you take it off? I go, I'm bored of it. It's been on for too long. (laughs) And then they go, but I just came in for that. Like, that's what I came in. Do they they not do that to you? They go, where, you know, I don't know. Where's the, where's they, the Palti Masala, you know, for example? Yeah, I don't right. know. They, they do that. And, and for a long time, I had a Hyderabadi biryani. Now, Hyderabad is about 350 biryanis. So I said, which one? <laughs> I said, the one that you had in the month of August. And I said, well, that's gone now. We've got another yeah. biryani. No, but I want that. I said, if you like that biryani, give this a try. You might enjoy this yeah. better. But, you know, I, I did a, a little demonstration yesterday and we made, I call it the ultimate biryani. Because there are 300 biryanis, there's only one biryani where the meat is raw and the rice is partially cooked. And this is a biryani that they make in Hyderabad during Ramzan or Ramadan. Then you layer the rice on top of the meat and then you seal it with a bread dough onto live coal or embers. And then you wait for the whistle and the whistle is a thick jet of steam that comes out. It's like a pressure cooker inside. 
when you get to that, you take that little steam and then you waft it and you press, pass it around to your friends and they say the biryani is coming, it's arriving. Then it goes into or on top of live ember, live coal on top of it. And when the bread dough is cooked, you have this ultimate biryani called Kache Goshki Biryani. That's my favorite. I need you to go to that queen class, <laughs> didn't I? It sounds delicious. I can't, I can't believe it. So tell us about those cooking classes then. Have you found that way because it's just your natural enthusiasm? It's an extension of the restaurant? Is it? Is it because, I don't know, it kind of reinforces those this conversation with your regulars? Yes, it does. And a lot of people said, all right, I like the dish. Are you ever going to teach us? So that was how it all started. And initially for about three years, there were demonstration classes where people would sit down and listen to me talk and eat and taste. And it was kind of one-way traffic. Then they would ask questions. But then it reached a point, people said, we want to get into this. So when we moved to a bigger premise in, in St. Leonard's, I then had a complete studio on the ground floor where we would set up and we would end up doing between 50 and 75 classes a year. Kids in the kitchen, parent and child. I had kids from schools and we had all these people coming in with their partners, cooked together. That was fantastic because they would then say, now I've learned food from Kashmir. I've learned something about Kashmir. Can you take us to another place? And I'd say, okay, you've been to Kashmir. Let's go down south. Let's do Kerala. And that then became a calendar where we would have 24 themes over 24 months. And the first class always was from my spiritual hometown called Hyderabad. COVID? Yes. And the lockdowns, how did you manage to engage with the community in a different way? Okay. We sat down and we said, you have to evolve. Every adversity, anything that happens is for a reason. You can do two things, shut up and close shop or do something about it and think ahead, look ahead and see what is it that this adversity can do to us as a business. So we sat and said, we looked at, you know, there's so many websites that say, out of job, losing my job, and it's hard to stay, it's hard to survive. Can I get a job as a driver, as a delivery driver, so on and so forth. Unfortunately, I can only employ three or four people as delivery drivers. But then we said, what is it that a person wants besides getting a job? And the one thing that you want when you get home is food. And I said to Mira, the last thing, and it's the lowest point in one's life to ask for food. You get down to the absolute bottom. We will start off with something where people go online and say, this is a community email. Send us an email saying, I would like food for four people. No questions asked. I'm, I'm not interested in where you work, whether you lost your job yesterday, because the very fact that you're asking me for food means there is a need. And if I fill in, if I help you, tomorrow when you become a CEO, you're probably going to come back to me with a big, big party. And I'm hoping that happens. So we started this. You won't believe in the very first week of COVID, the second one, more than the first one, the second one hit us really bad. We were down nearly 75% on days. Some days we were doing single-digit takeaways, home deliveries. But then I said, even if I do one takeaway, it could be community, it could be paid. I am coming to work because I can keep my boys, my staff working. I'll go home and I have two glasses of wine. That's fine. But the moment this guy comes in, I must make sure I look after him, give him this. So we started this in the first week. We had over 350 people asking for this. And I said, wow. It, it so happened that some of them kept, kept coming back. One of them called up and said, it's my wife's birthday. And both of us are out of job. So you can imagine, what else can I do? I said, well, I'll do the food. And I'm also going to throw in a bottle of wine. Because I've got this wine sitting over here. I, I can't sell it today. But hey, tomorrow the guy gets a job. He's going to come and buy a case from me. You know, that, that's how it is. And it started to work. Well, the numbers have now come down, but we still get a few people because everyone's not 
gone back to work. People are still looking for jobs. But uh, my again, this only happens because I have a fantastic community over there. They help me. Yeah. They they do all the deliveries. They help me with the deliveries. They, they they buy food from me even if they don't need food. I have a customer who religiously every Friday takes takes food. I'm not sure how many people in his house, but <laughs> there is food enough for about 20 people that he takes from me every Friday. So when I have people like this around me, I'm so lucky. It's it's my job. You call it giving back. I think it's I'm taking in. I'm not giving back. I'm getting so much. It's not about giving. It's about getting. I. And I, Mira and I, we love it because when I, when I say to my son, uh, he comes to me and says, uh, how many takeaways do you have? How many orders? And I say, I don't think we have any orders. He says, why are you going then? I said, I'm going because I have other orders that are more important than the ones that pay me. These are the ones that are going to pay me, you know, in, in huge sums over the years, maybe down the line, yeah. towards the end of my life. I don't care. But it is, it's, it's just so, so fascinating, so amazing. And now businesses back open and returning slowly to normal, I hope? I, it has to, Gary. Otherwise, the whole system will collapse. And, and, and uh, people are slowly coming out. And I know my customers, they are waiting to come out, but there are 500 other restaurants in that area. They've got to help everyone else. So my turn will come. And I'm yeah. very lucky. I'm very lucky. People come into my restaurant. Uh, they are happy to wait. Even on a day when you know they've got a booking at 7.30 and I can't give them a table for another 15 minutes, they patiently waiting outside because yes if this happens sometime in feb march they may not come back but at the moment they're very happy and i live by the day carry i take a day at a time i don't look beyond 24 hours if i have a kitchen and i have a couple of chefs waiters for 24 hours done we'll see about what happens on saturday uh, Joy, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. And I tell you what, it's certainly made me hungry. And, I hope, <laughs> and your enthusiasm is infectious. I don't know what I need to do now, but I need to go and do something. Fair enough. Uh, Joy, <laughs> uh, Joy, thank you. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me. Listener.